On March 23rd, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced a national lockdown in the fight against COVID-19. Her announcement concluded with the following remark, We will get through this together, but only if we stick together. So please be strong and be kind. Kindness has been central to the government's Unite for Recovery campaign, observed on roadside billboards, public health awareness posters and companies' internal comms. Promoting kindness at such a grand scale is not your typical run-of-the-mill political strategy, yet it seems to have woven its way into every facet of Aotearoa and is gaining increasing global acclaim. Is being kind just a box of fluffies feel-good strategy, or is there more to it? Is building a culture of kindness worth pursuing post-COVID alert levels? I'm Jackie Maguire, and this is my podcast, Mind Brew. I'm a clinical psychologist with a passion for science communication. What does that mean? Well, it means I not so secretly love researching psychological studies, translating them into easy to understand concepts, and providing practical strategies to optimize personal well being, work, and relationships. Put simply, Mind Brew has been created to help you live the good life. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Oliver Scott Curry. Oliver is the Research Director for KindLab at Kindness.org. Kindness.org are a not-for-profit who describe themselves as pursuing a bold hypothesis that kindness is the catalyst in solving the world's biggest challenges. Their mission is to educate and inspire people to choose kindness, and their work is grounded in hard science. They provide kindness toolkits, videos, and other materials to allow anyone, anywhere, to bring kind acts to where they live and work. Oliver is also a research affiliate at the School of Anthropology at University of Oxford and a research associate at the Centre of Philosophy of Natural and Social Sciences at the London School of Economics. This episode takes the form of two colleagues casually conversing. I think it will literally feel as if you could be sitting in a mano with us chatting over a flat white. I ask lots of questions and I couldn't help but interject with various pieces of relevant research stored deep in my cognitive filing system. As Oliver said when the recording button was off, I think we wove all over the show there, but in an interesting and meaningful way. So grab yourself a hot brew and get ready to percolate on the kindness you have seen, felt and given during the past 11 weeks. Enjoy. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And I really wanted to have a conversation with you because throughout our COVID campaign, I suppose you could call it, here in New Zealand, the main message message from our Prime Minister has been be kind um, to the mm-hmm. point where our motorway uh, signals say in bright orange letters, be kind, stay calm. So that messaging has come through everyday press conferences, you know, mm-hmm. through signage all over New Zealand. And I thought actually it's really important for New Zealanders to know that be kind is more than just feeling good or helping other people feel good. There's science behind mm-hmm. this and there are widespread benefits. So um, you're the expert man 
in this arena. All right. So, all right, I thought we could start with uh, what is kindness? How do, how do we actually describe the action of what kindness is? Well, at, at kindness.org, we talk about the, the ABCs of kindness. So that's uh, we, we think of kindness as action intended to benefit others, usually with some emotional component like compassion. So it's it's about uh, kindness is a is a general term for for pro-social behavior, for altruism, for for caring, um, but also things like being respectful, being fair, being um, being brave, being uh, heroic. So the A is the A is an action. What are the B's and C's? Uh, yeah, so it's action. Int- I'm going to chat. So it's action intended to be for benefit of others usually with some emotional component, C for component, um, for example, compassion. Right, gotcha. So as we go about our daily life, how are we purposefully choosing to see other people's needs that will benefit for them? I'm going to attach an emotional component to them and act on it, and that is kindness. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, definitions are always tricky, and there's there's rarely a perfect one. But what what we mean is that it's it's not, um, uh, it's like you said, it's not just enough to think about it or to or f- just to feel well disposed towards people. What we want to see is action. We want to see people doing things to help others, to benefit others, and um, we we add the the emotional component, the the sort of motivational component, just to. Um, make clear that this is this is action that is it's not done for some ulterior motive. Um, it's just done for for the benefit of the person you're helping. It's interesting, isn't usually- it, Oliver? Because I wonder how many people walk around noticing and observing things when their heads are up from their phones, um, but potentially feeling like they're not able to act on what they see. And the reason I ask that is, you know, and I'm, I'm going to name my husband here, but, you know, I, I got off a flight once and I was really heavily pregnant and I was like, oh my gosh, like none of these people helped me put my bag up in the overhead locker. And I was like nine months pregnant and I wasn't allowed to lift and I had to call the air staff. And my husband said, but Jackie, I've been told off for helping. You know, I've been told off for helping women. I try and I go in and I help and they're like, I can do it myself. And, you know, I'm real gun shy now, he'd say. And so I'm like, I wonder how many people do walk around and see things but go, should I do it? Will I offend someone? Will I, you know, make them think they can't do things themselves if I step in and act? Uh, well, yeah, it's, well, it's certainly possible to make errors on both sides. Um, but I would, I would say it's, it's better to make the... F- sort of make the error of trying to help or, or offering to help and being declined than to err in the other direction of of not helping when somebody really needs it. So we would always say, um, uh, you know, to, to sort of take, take the chance. Um, and you're, you're, you might be surprised how much your efforts are appreciated. And why is that? What are the benefits in terms of taking that risk, taking that chance, putting yourself out there, being kind. Well, the the short answer is that it makes the world a better place. It's the it's the it's the the basic reason to be kind. So if, if you want to live in a, a world where people are helping each other and that and everyone's better off as a result, then start by trying to kickstart kindness yourself. Um, kindness is a way of. Uh, of um, initiating and maintaining supportive social relationships, a supportive 
network and you know you you get in you get out what you get in so um kindness is a good investment in that way in that sense um obviously kindness helps the recipient if somebody particularly needs something um, and the key thing is the the uh, sort of the ratio of your effort to their to their benefit so it doesn't make sense for example to do something that costs you if you put it in money terms costs you a hundred dollars in order to help someone out one dollars worth of help but one dollars worth of help could help somebody else out a hundred dollars worth mm. so, so so to take a made-up example you know if somebody's uh if somebody's forgotten their wallet and they can't get on the bus to go to a job interview it might only give you might only need a dollar from you to get to that interview but if they get there and get the job and then have a successful career as a result they're going to the 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 tiny cost outlay on your part completely change that person's life um so if uh if everybody does the helps a little and the leverage is that they help the other person a lot then th- that creates huge mutual benefits for everybody involved and um that's the kind of world we want to live in right i'm trying to th- i'm trying to think of the saying which has gone from my brain after looking after a baby all day which is you know small stones make big ripples you know you can make one small yeah. action but the ripple effect from that can be very large you know yeah. it's, it's interesting hearing you speak Oliver in terms of be respectful for people no- notice others etc and i'm thinking have we got less kind as a world that we're needing to have these conversations and look into the research or or um as many things are we discovering in science is helping us and therefore with greater understanding, we can be more kind and do more good. Yeah. That, so that, that's a good question. And certainly there's a, there's a view that once upon a time, everything was rosy and we all lived in little villages and looked after each other. And nowadays many more people live in, you know, an anonymous, uh, feel alienated in anonymous urban environments and everyone ignores their neighbor. And um, I think there's there's a, a little bit of truth to that, but there's also a lot of benefits to the way that we're living now. So once upon a time, we we were very caring to those around us, but there weren't many people around us. And the downside was we weren't very caring to. So we were caring to our, our family and you know immediate friends and our tribe, as it were. Um, but we weren't very kind to anyone outside that circle. Uh, nowadays we have where we don't interact with in people who live in modern urban settings tend to they don't uh, interact with their families as as much as we once did and obviously they're in vast mobile um fast moving anonymous societies but but and i think people feel like they're living in a slightly less kind world as a result but i'd say that you could look at it in a glass half full kind of way is that you're surrounded by so many more opportunities to be kind than you ever were before. If you live in a little village, there's only so many times you can help the same old lady across the road. If you live in a, in a fast moving city, there's literally, you know, thousands of old ladies you could help across the road every day. And you don't have to, obviously you don't have to do, you can't, you can't help them all, but there's, there's many more opportunities to be kind. And so we can be, uh, we can be more judicious and look out for the most effective ones. I'm going to come back to the 
really kind of spell, spelling out kind acts and benefits for us and others. But as you're talking, I'm thinking if we go historically and we live within our tribe or with our very small unit, everybody is like us. They look like us. They sound like us. They have similar lives to us. And if we now trans, you know, transform forward into a modern world, we live with diversity and, and of course, uh, unconscious bias comes up. And so is there a link between we're kinder on an evolutionary basis to people that are like us compared to those that are diverse. And if that is the case, do we need to be really aware of that so we can check into our unconscious bias um, and act purposefully? Well, there's there's certainly a lot of evidence that people are, yeah, that, that so it's called homophily. People tend to like people who are similar to them. And I've never heard some, that word in all my psychology, homophily. homophily. I have yeah, never just, heard that. Um, Thank you. I've learned something well, new. That's, that's all right. So, yeah, it, so it's just it's a fancy word for birds of a feather stick together, really. And they, they could be in many ways that could be functional. So it, it's easier to to collaborate with people who, you know, have, speak the same language as you have to say, share the same norms as you share, share the same you know, are familiar with the same ways of doing things um, and might might be more likely to share your interests. So there's, it, it makes, uh, there are upsides to homophily of, of sticking together in that way. But, well, let's make up another word. So heterophily would be liking others. Uh, or mm-hmm. different. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess you could make the same argument that, sure, there's, so there's cost and benefits to both sides. So it's easier to, to, to be kind and cooperate with people like you, but in doing so, you might be missing out on some of um, the the benefits of interacting, cooperating with people um, unlike you. And although there might be some initial barriers to doing so, like language barriers or barriers of culture, um, the upside might be very important. And mm. I mean, in, it's not particularly my area, but certainly it, it has been argued that a lot of the a lot of the progress and innovation that we're now the beneficiaries of has come about through different people with different ideas mi- mixing together and you know being able to combine and pick the best combinations. Hmm. I, I absolutely agree. I think there is huge benefits to diversity and, and living with people that aren't like us and, le- and learning from them. I just think it would be so interesting to know if there was research out there showing that that innate uh, innate kind of kindness whether that comes at a higher frequency you know um so that so there was a there's an i'm trying to dredge through my ancient memory banks um i remember reading an interesting study which i'll now garble that so there's a there's a kind of uh there's a kind of stereotype that westerners are very individualistic and selfish whereas uh people from the from the east are speaking someone in Europe are um, much more communal and community focused and family focused. Um, and I think someone did a study looking into this comparing uh, J- Japanese people and American people. And what they found was the, almost the opposite that what they, they found that these so-called uh, selfish individualistic Americans were, were much more likely to, to strike up and, um, relationships with strangers are much more likely to be altruistic to strangers, almost as if they're, they're taking a bet that, you, you know, 
um, uh, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet, as it were. So although the people who live in more communal societies, like I say, are, are more communal and they look it looks cosier, there's costs and benefits of different ways of interacting with others. And these apparently selfish individualistic Americans were more entrepreneurial in in starting and maintaining new relationships. And once you start that process, it just goes on and on. Gosh, that's so interesting. I wouldn't have expected that either because I've been looking into mm. individual, individualistic versus collectivist uh, cultures, even around compliance with COVID and public health guidelines. And I've been kind of looking into the differences between cultures. And that's really, really interesting. I think that I think I think the general rule is that there's there's, there's many different ways of cooperating, many different modes of cooperating. Um, there's there's how you interact with your family, how you interact with your friend, how, friends, how you interact with your um, your community and strangers and so on. And e- each one, uh, each one has, is, does its job. Each one has costs and benefits. Um, each, sometimes you have, when you have to trade one off against the other because you can't do everything. And um, so it's worth tuning into those different opportunities and trying to strike the right balance. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because morality and cooperation is your specialty, isn't it? Outside of kindness.org, that, that's something that you study a lot. And, you know, part of my wondering and preparation for this podcast was, does kindness look different in different cultures? And if kindness is uh, connected to cooperation or how we do the right thing or be the best we can with others, you know, is there a difference? Would we see, feel, look, act differently being kind here in New Zealand compared to other cultures across the world? Well, so let's start with the similarities, So, uh, if I may. So it's certainly the case that kindness is a a universal value. So uh, it seems – so infants everywhere start start being kind relatively early – um, kindness is a is a is a trait, a moral trait that is sort of recognised and celebrated all around the world. It's a, a common thing. Kindness is also one of the traits identified as being most attractive in a, in a in a mate in in cross cultural studies all around the world. So we're looking for um, kind partners. Not not surprisingly. Can I interrupt you um, just for a second to those that are listening sure. to us, Oliver, because I want to trig New Zealanders' memories as you're speaking. There was a TV show on a few years about the brain in New Zealand, and one of the experiments they did were um, children under one uh, looking at a board where there was a triangle and a circle, and um, mm-hmm. the circle could either help the triangle get up the hill or not, and the children always um, innately selected the object that had been helpful and kind to the other. So that may trigger some New Zealanders' memories as they're listening to you speak. All right. Yeah, there's been a real explosion in what I always think of them as kind of pup, puppet studies because they're, they're either done with shapes or sometimes with puppets, with with one puppet helping another or stealing something from another. And then you look, you can... Uh, you what you look to see how the infants react or which ones they reach for, which which toy, which of the puppets they want to play with, and yeah, they they there's uh, seems to be more and more studies looking at how these s- social intuitions emerge surprisingly early uh, in infancy. These, it seems like these uh, kids come into the world with some expectations about how people behave, how people ought to behave, and they're surprised and express a preference for when people uh, you know 
they, they recognise when people are being good or bad and respond accordingly. Secondly, it's interesting uh, but, if looking for a mate is, um, you know, being kind is, is attractive. You wonder how um, Tinder and Bumble and finding partners over the internet uh, interferes with that process of seeing seeing your potential mate interacting with others and how kind they are or not. Hmm. Yeah, I, well, I've been lucky enough. Not I haven't. I'm a bit too old for Tinder, but um, uh, I'd be interested. And I, I'm not aware of research on what people say or, or if they say anything on. I don't even know what it is. Um, if what they say, on it. but certainly there previously. There was there were lots of studies of what used to be called lonely hearts columns of people uh, people describing themselves and trying to get a date through the new, through newspapers and in there I, I seem to remember that you know pe- people expressing their um, their kindness was a was a very highly valued trait so to back to your question so kindness does seem to be a universal value people everywhere recognize and appreciate it. Having said that, I just, more research is needed to look at exactly how and whether the, the meaning or, or kind actions differ across cultures. I suspect that there's, there's lots of sort of low level differences on what, you know, sp- specific types of goods or presents that are traditionally considered, um, kind or appropriate at different times. And there's always sort of very low level rules and, and norms and things that vary across cultures. But there's also there also seems to be some some interesting what I would call mid-level differences. So I was reading a paper recently about gratitude and saying please and thank you. And I'm not I'm not entirely sure about New, New Zealand, but I would suspect that to the extent that it's like Britain saying please and thank you are very important. And absolutely uh, it's, it's very important to um express your gratitude and so on so anyway i was really interesting study where that's often uh although it's universal gratitude is universally considered a good thing there seems to be a lot of variation on whether saying it is a good thing or not and there's many cultures where to um to to say to say please and thank you is almost considered rude because it's almost as if you're surprised that somebody has has helped you so in the in more traditional societies where you you are you're interacting with the same people all the time with your with your family and friends for example then to to constantly say thank you to them for everything they're doing is almost rude in the sense that you um in the, you know in the same way if a uh now I'm finding hard to explain it because it seems no, but it's, it's interesting on no because as you're saying that that's never been explained to me scientifically before. But when I was in my early 20s, I was an au pair and I went to live in Barcelona with a Catalan family. And I would say, please, can you pass the salt? Please, can I have, <laughs> you know, and, and I would please and thank you, I don't know, 15 times through the dinner conversation because that's what we do in New Zealand. Mm. And I remember um, my host mother being like, will you stop saying please when you ask for things at <laughs> the table? I got, I got schooled. I got really told right. off. And it was just what you're saying makes complete sense that here I am thinking I'm being absolutely polite, over polite because it's not my house. And they're going, gosh, do you, do you think we'd, you know, do you think we'd treat you badly or do you think we wouldn't be kind to you? Why do yeah. you need to say it? That's a you're, light bulb you're... moment for me. Yeah, you're you're one of the family. You don't need to keep. It's like it's it, to to do a sort of extreme example. It's like if you went to a dinner party at friends, and at the end you said, "Oh, that was lovely," and then you pulled out your checkbook and said, "Well, how much do I owe you?" 
So it's um, gratitude saying please and thank you is like a they're like um, little verbal IOUs. So it's saying, I, you know, I, I acknowledge you give me something. I really appreciate it. And this is a little verbal IOU that, you know, I've got your back. I'll I'll pay you back in the future. And for very intimate relationships, you don't need to you don't need that level of accounting. It's taken for granted. And to to make it explicit in that way is almost insulting and in saying you're not as intimate as we're not as intimate as you might think. And I'm treating this as a more sort of semi-formal transaction that, you know, that will come out in the wash rather than taking that for granted. So, so there's, a, there's an example where, although the principle is the same, that people should feel grateful and that's a good thing, uh, how you act on that, what you do with it seems to vary cross-culturally. And, and I mean, yeah. the, the list of things we want to research on kindness goes off over the horizon, but, um, that, that's, uh, hack. There must be more examples of that, how um, kindness varies across cultures. Well, I'm just so interested in how that might apply, for example, in organisational settings. We just say the value is the same, the value of gratitude or the value of being kind to others, but how we express that may be so different at such a minute level. And you just think, how can that play, play out, for example, in a, in a multicultural team um, where potentially it's almost like you're speaking different languages to each other when you're trying to achieve the same result? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that goes back to what we were talking about before with diversity. Um, obviously, there's, there's different ways of doing things and some ways of doing things are better than others. And if you can, uh, you know, you want, you don't want, the more you learn about different ways of doing things, the the less you could arrange them that they come into conflict less. And again, you could, you know, mix and match. You could combine the best bits. Well, I, I, and I'm just thinking from a practical perspective for people that are listening that potentially are team, team leaders or wanting to work on with their teams, having a very broken down discussion around what are our values as a team or as an organisation and then how do we demonstrate that actually is quite important because we can't assume how we demonstrate one characteristic like kindness uh, may be the same as somebody else next to us. And so I think that piece of the puzzle was actually really important, the action part beyond the value mm. uh, yeah that's uh, i think that's right i'm just br brainstorming yeah. as we're talking on yeah yeah light bulb light bulb light bulb so if we come back to your a then which is your your actions it's not just it's not just monetary things that enable us to be kind so how else can people in a daily basis demonstrate kindness to those around them well yeah, there's a there's an enormous spectrum of different things they they can do, and you know, on the one end you've got every, or completely ordinary everyday things like holding the door open for the person behind you or giving up your seat on the bus for for somebody. Um, think just straightforward civic-minded things to do. At the other end of this extreme, uh, you have things like uh, you know donating a kidney to a stranger at the at the opposite end, and People tend. What I've found is people tend to think that the options are either you do either you're selfish and do nothing, or you have to be a complete hero and donate a kidney. And our point is that there's this huge range of actions you can do, huge range of actions in between doing nothing or doing the basics and being a hero. So it can be things like um, it can be, and like you said, so it can be do donating to effective charities. It can be. Um, uh, giving um or even or completely costless things like just 
stopping and taking time to listen to somebody else without um, listen to what they say, re- really hear what they're saying, um, rather than do something I realize I do sometimes, um, which is you're listening to someone and all the time you're you're teeing up the next thing you're going to say. And that's half getting in the way of you listening to what they're saying. And you're just waiting for them to finish before you can launch into something else. So it's stopping and really listening to what the other person says, for example, um, uh, expressing your gratitude to people, writing a note to your old teacher to say what what, um, what a difference they made to you. Uh, you know, it can um, uh, when you finished a book, give leave, write a note, leave it on the bus for somebody else, or um, or pass it on. Um, it can be a whole, you know, the whole the whole range of things. And pe- people differ. Some people are kinder than others. And what we um, and at kindness.org, we're not expecting everyone's going to go from zero to hero instantly. Um, and nor is everyone starting at zero. What, what we're saying is wherever you are on the scale, just have a look at the, the, just go up one notch. Just have a look at what's one on one side of you and give it a try. Don't when be you're a in those superhero, situ- just be a normal person doing good in your, well, as you go be a, about your day. Be a, be, a, be a normal person, but just but experiment with being slightly better than normal <laughs> or slightly better than you already are. Um, so just try it, try it on for size. So when you're, when you're in those moments where you're you're thinking, you know, will I, won't I? You walk past a, a homeless guy, you're thinking, will I give, will I give him a change or not? Or your your wife's asking, has asked for a cup of tea early in the morning, you're thinking, no, that's well, obviously getting a wife a cup of tea. Uh, when you're someone's asked you a favour and you're just you're just in that zone where you're not quite sure, like will I, oh, should I, should I? I just what we'd say is just. Just say yes. Just try, try, just take one step in that direction. Um, do go the extra, not even the extra mile, go the extra inch to start with and see how it feels and see what happens. And if you do those things and suddenly, uh, life's going easier around you, people, people look, are looking at you more fondly. Um, people are getting on, have been helped to get on with their stuff and they're in a position to help you and blah, blah, blah. Then go, ah, oh, well, and, and you feel good about it. Then, Ah, that was good. I'm like, I'm going to stay at this notch. And, and then when you next time around, try another notch until you find the right, the level that's right for you. Is there research, Oliver, around what gets in the way of people being kind? Because speaking out loud as you're talking, I'm thinking in order to be kind to others, I actually need to be present. I need to be present to see what's going on in the world around me and not stuck in my own anxious thoughts or ruminating about things that have gone past. And so there seems to actually potentially be this link between mindfulness and the ability to stay present and being kind. I'm not sure if there's a research link to that or not, but I am wondering if there are things that barrier us or get in the way of us being kind. Um, yes. Yeah, so, well, I, I would think that just being, uh, you know, being attentive to others and, and seeing what's going on with other people is a, is a necessary first step. And, but what, the way we tend to think about it is that there's what's, when we've been thinking about what stops people being kinder, we think of it as a, um, a lack of incentive, a lack of information and a sense of isolation. So yeah, what we mean by what what we mean by that is uh, a lack of incentive. So some some people are, some people are not very nice, you know, and they and there's not not a, an awful lot you can do about that. 
but some people who are who are nice still who are kind still lack the lack um, an incentive because they don't necessarily see the benefits of what um they're not particularly motivated to be kind because they don't really see what the benefits might be okay um, so segue us into your b then oliver segue us into your b of abcs what are the benefits well let me just keep on with the the um the eyes for a minute the okay um incentive information and isolation so um some people lack the incentive because they 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 don't realize what the benefits might be um people some people who re, who who do realize the benefits and are motivated lack information they don't really know what to do um so there's you know in a sense there's too many options so what what is it that they should be doing what's what's the most effective thing they could be doing and even people who want to help who know how to do it sometimes feel reluctant to do so because they don't want to be doing it alone they don't want to they don't want to feel, they don't like that sense of isolation that they're either they're it's a futile gesture that they're throwing their good into the void and it's not really going to make any difference to the world um or they feel a bit vulnerable and feel like they might be they feel a bit silly that they if they do it they might be taken advantage of or they'll look foolish if they're, they're helping and no one else does so what we try to do is address each of those. So increase, um, make clear the, the benefits to, pe- to people of being kind. So address the uh, those incentives. And the benefits, like I said, are um, making the world around you a better place, but also making yourself feel good. So h- helping makes you happy. There's been uh, 25 or more experiments looking uh, looking at the the causal effects of kindness on people's sense of well-being and um, sense of of, um, uh, of purpose in life of of, their, of happiness um, and it's been and these experiments have repeatedly shown that doing things for others makes you feel better than doing things for yourself. Is there a physiological so, benefit too, Oliver? Well, there, there there have been some studies looking at. Uh, I forget the I forget the hormones now, but looking at um, I think there's been some studies looking at whether it whether kindness improves people's immune system, um, and I th- in terms of decreasing cortisol. I, I again I'm going th- I'm, I don't have it at the top of my head, but I think it was something to do with um, increasing white blood cell counts. And, ah, interesting. Um, so. There's so, um, uh, but most of the studies have been uh, a self-report measure, self-report measures of happiness and well-being and mood. So it's, it's how do you feel? How happy are you? Um, uh, there's something. Uh, how do you think your life is going? That that sort of thing. And m- those studies show that people report being happier after doing something for somebody else. Uh, there's other studies where they slightly more objective measures where. Often, sometimes with kids, they do studies where they have them help themselves or help others, and then then a third party observer just watches the ki- the kids afterwards to see how much they're smiling. Um, and those studies show that kids who help others smile more than kids who help themselves. Um, and, and in terms of the in terms of the giving people information, um, this is a this comes as a, as a surprise to many people. So there's one one study by I want to say Laura Aknin. Um, I should, I can check that. Um, there's a great study on happiness around the world, and the typical studies are you you get a hundred you get a hundred people and you give 
you give um, half of them, you give them all $10 and you half of them, you say, spend this on something for yourself. And the other half, you say, spend this on something on, for, on something for somebody else. So they go off and spend the money. And then afterwards, they fill in a questionnaire and, and you find that lo and behold, the people who spend money on others report feeling happier. Feel, they feel better. They feel good. Great. Um, an interesting wrinkle on that is that there's, there was a sort of side study where they asked people in advance which, what they would rather do and which one do they think would make them happier. And when you ask people what they, what they think they would prefer, everybody says, well, I'd rather spend the money on myself, obviously. Uh, I'd be much happier spending the money on myself. So people, um, but that turns out not to be the case. So it's uh, helping others is a pleasant surprise. It, it you will feel better than you expected and it's better than you thought you would. Um, so that's all part of the um, providing the information needed just to, to to tickle people into doing something to being a bit kinder. And and Oliver, is there a relationship there with our dopamine pathway or the reward pathway in our brain when we're kind to other people? Um, there, there might be, but I, I, don't, I haven't. That's I'm not an expert on that, and I haven't worked on that directly. Um, there, there's there's studies showing that people report feeling less anxious, less socially anxious, um, more connected to more connected to others. So to the extent that those things have a physical physiological biological basis you you might expect that to be the case but i um i haven't worked on that directly i'm just extrapolating really from your research but in terms of the clinical knowledge i have which is when we feel positive emotions we improve our heart health our dopamine pathway goes off we become more innovative creative etc and so i'm sure there must there must be without us yeah. being able to put our finger on it research on that but it's really interesting when you say if we are kind the benefits are we subjectively feel happier our well-being goes up and if my uh, little photographic memory tells me right oliver i think you you might have mentioned it's seven percent increase am i right in that when you're kind yeah, yes. to other people yeah yes so we did uh, at kindness.org we did a, a, a meta-analysis so which, which is a study of all the studies so we we found all the experiments where people have been in a, a helping others and a not helping others condition and we act we you aggregate them all, combine them all, and look at what the and because because experiments results vary from study to study. So you aggregate them all together and look at what the overall average effect was. And when you do that, yes, helping other people makes you seven percent happier. Yeah. So it's not it's not um, but that's just that's just from the the length of the experiments varied for you know it could be a day or a week or longer. So, so you know it's not. We wouldn't ever claim that it's doing that thing. What it's not sort of radically life changing that it, you're going to go. It's going to completely and utterly radically transform your life. Um, but it is a, uh, you know, if you're someone said to me, if you're, you know, if your temperature went up seven percent, you'd be a, you'd be in a very different situation. So if your well being goes up seven percent, um, you uh, you're you're in a you're in a better place seven percent than it, than you. Um, 7% better than you would have been otherwise. Oh, uh, if you keep that going, Oliver, in, it's good for you. I completely agree. So if we're happier, we're weller, 
we're less anxious and we feel more connected from giving. When you think even just at the moment in this global pandemic, when we've been isolated, we've been stuck at home, we're managing rapid change, there is huge uncertainty in the world, you know, and you think, what are all the things that I could be doing to help Mm. me and to help the people around me? Being kind is really important to form a habit out of, which is, you yeah. know, as you say, it's not a silver bullet. Not, there is not anything that's a silver bullet yeah. to well to well being or to lower our anxiety, etc. But it is about our micro actions and how we build habits out of those. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I can well, completely agree. And then you bring up the the next the next thing on the list of information. So people. Sure. So let's suppose people are motivated to be kind. They want to do, they want to be helpful. They want to do something, but what can they do? We found that there's, there's no shortage of suggestions online. So you can, you go online, you find 101 random acts of kindness or, uh, this list or that, that list for different organizations, which are, which are all good. Um, but we want, we wondered, well, how do people choose from this list? How do they know what are the most effective things to do and what maybe what things should they be doing? So one study um, we've run recently is uh, having people uh, where we were, we were planning a, a, um, a big week. We collated several hundred acts of kindness. And the plan was to have people rate the costs, the perceived costs and benefits of these acts. So we could find the most beneficial ones, but also the most cost effective. So for which acts do you get the most bang for your buck? Because in this that world, that's what we're after, Oliver, isn't it? <laughs> that's, how yeah, to be I mean, most if you, effective. How to be most effective, and um, uh, you know, if you can, yeah, put how to put your good where it will do the most. So yeah. that that larger project went on hold just as the the world went into um, pandemic. Chaos. But we just we we've just done a, a a sort of pilot study on how to be kind in a crisis. Um, where we 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 narrowed it down to sort of a hundred acts of kindness that you can do, in, as it were, during in quarantine, and of those acts, what do people think are the 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 least costly, the most beneficial, and hence the most cost effective? And I've just got the list here, so it's for me to read out what this our survey I'd, said. I'd love to, and for our listeners, I posted it on my Facebook page, so they can find oh, it there right. too. But please, but please do read it out, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we so we found uh, the top ten most cost-effective kind acts to do in a, to do in quarantine um, include uh, number one, say thank you to someone who m- made your meal possible. Number two, cover your mouth when you cough. Number three, be on time for video calls, which I think I managed this morning. Well, it does, and it shows respect, doesn't it? Too, it has a whole lot of things when you show up on time. Uh, let's have a look. Um, number four. Tell the people you love how you feel about them. Number five, video call your parents, grandparents, and so on. And number six, write a list of the things you love about someone. Number seven, wash your hands. Number eight, um, tell someone what they mean to you. So there's some overlap in some of these items. Um, number nine, reach out and ask somebody how they're doing, which goes back to the listening thing we were talking about before. And number 10, thank mm-hmm. someone who made a difference in your life. So, oh, do you want to know the least cost-effective kind acts as well? Yeah, we do. Just, just for the sake of it. So, you, so all of the, these are all in the in our kindness.org article. Uh, it's called "How to Be Kind in a Crisis" on Medium, and uh, well, you said you linked to. So, some of the least now all of the, I have to say all of these acts were considered beneficial, and nearly all of these were considered 
the the benefit was greater than the cost. So I'm not I don't want to be I'm not being mean about these other ones. But these are so here are some acts that um, have a relatively high cost to their perceived benefit. Enough. So these are um, the bottom ten least cost effective acts are at number ninety one. Um, make free creative content, music, cookery lessons, exercise plans available online. Ninety two. Do the gardening for someone. 93, volunteer your time to a good cause. Number 94, choose a charity and set up a regular donation. Number 95, arrange for a bunch of flowers to be delivered to someone. 96, fix a leaky faucet for someone or do someone's do DIY for someone. Uh, 97, learn how to say please and thank you in five different languages. Uh, 98, donate $50 to an effective charity. 99, invent holidays and gifts for someone. And number 100, which is the only one where people thought the, the cost outweighed the benefit, volunteered to be infected as part of uh, a vaccine trial. Ah, interesting. So anyway, the point is there's many, many options and they're all, they all have their, uh, all have their upsides. But how do you begin to sort out these hundreds of options? Um, um, how do you move from random acts of kindness to recommended acts of kindness? Um, and we, this sort of, this filtering process, getting some data on what people think of as, as, um, their, their costs and benefits, um, is, is one, I think, one useful sort of source of information, um, not just to, to present people with a bunch of different ideas, but also just to give them some sense of, how others might perceive what they do and how uh, what they might expect when they if they if and when they give them a try themselves. But in that recommended list, those top ten, it's really mm. interesting to note that lots of those were small acts that that make yes. a big difference to people. Back to our point of you know, yeah, small act <laughs> can equal big ripple. Yeah, well, so these are ones with a big ratio of costs cost to benefit. Um, and I mean, and the point about that is th- things that are so on the one hand, you could say, well, if, you know, if they're low cost, then they're low kindness because you're not really having to put yourself out very much. But I kind of again, I think of it the other way around. That if they're low cost, it means you can do it over and over again. Mm. You know, there's only there's, a, there's only so many times you can donate a kidney. I, I'm guess, guessing it's just once. But um, there's you can hold the door open for someone a thousand times. You can, uh, you know, you can tell people, tell the people around you, or you can check in with the people around you, see how they're doing dozens of times. You can do it over and over again. So, so go the, frequency the, rather than intensity, high frequency of kindness well, rather than yeah, big, intense kindness. Yeah, exactly. There's, well, I mean, I, I guess I'd say the best thing is to have a, a diversified portfolio. So, you know, <laughs> try, try, out, or try out things across the spectrum and, um, you know, find out what's the best mix for you. There's lots of options, is the point. So if we come to your third eye then, so incentive, there are benefits personally to our subjective happiness, to our well-being, to our mental health. Information, be savvy. Do recommended acts of kindness as well as just random. In terms of if people don't want to be kind or, or, or they find it hard to be kind because will they be pointed out, will they be made a fool of, etc. how do we help people feel like we have a culture of kindness around them. Yeah, right. People people are afraid of looking like suckers. Um, it, that's one obstacle. So the way we, whereas on the other hand, 
uh, uh, people like being part of a club. They like being part of, uh, you know, a cause that's greater than themselves. And if they, if they see that everyone's pulling together in the same direction, they're more likely to, uh, to chip in too. So is it everybody that feels like suckers or is there a generational difference in there? Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not aware. I think it's a, I think it's a universal, um, whether people, whether it's like, yeah, um, whether, whether there's age differences, I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, uh, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. But I think no one wants to be, most people don't want to be, you know, the odd one out and they certainly don't want to be the odd one out if they're the, the sort of the suckers left paying for the check when everyone else is left. So the way you could, the way you can deal with that is by highlighting all the other people that are doing the same thing and, and creating a community of kindness where you can see other people do, um, are on the same page as you. So that's something we try to do through our, our webpage. So we have, um, uh, we have a, um, we, we have a, a sort of, uh, what's called an axe platform, which is a technical way of saying we have a, a snazzy website that's full of, good ideas of, of ways of being kind. Um, but the added pizzazz is that you, so when you, when you go onto our website, you can, you can sign up as a sort of a member of the kindness community and you can go through these different suggestions. And, and the, but the point is you can tick them off and you can record your experiences of what happened. So you can say, Oh yeah, I tried, I cleaned up, I, I uh, cleared up all the trash from the, the little garden outside my front door or, or um, yeah, I, I bought a coffee for a, for a, uh, the guy behind me in the, in the store. And you can, you can say what happened and share your experiences or share what you did. And then you can see everyone else's experiences too. Um, you can see what everyone else is doing. And suddenly it's obvious that you're not the only person doing this, that there's a, there's a whole bunch of people out there who feel the same way and are doing the same thing and, and can compare notes on, on how it's going. So, and other experiments have shown that something called it's, it's uh, often sometimes called moral elevation. So seeing again, which is a fancy term for a common sense thing, that's so seeing other people doing good uh, is inspiring and is 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 likely is more likely to lead to you doing that same good thing too, and vice versa. So if you do something good and other people see it, they're more likely to follow suit. I've got lots of thoughts running through my brain as you're speaking, Oliver. One is research that's popping into my brain, which is dopamine is elevated for two hours after you are kind or randomly kind to somebody else. And that doubles the person you've been kind to their, um, the possibility that they will pass that forward. So that's kind of old research that's jumping into my brain, which ba- but basically is what you're saying. Be, be kind, pay it forward and it will spread. Mm. I'm also thinking around that reinforcement of kindness, so to speak, that if we want communities or cultures of kindness, should, for example, CEOs of organisations or prime ministers of countries like we have had here, should they be reinforcing kindness or really should that kindness come from an innate drive? Well, I would say that they're not, they're not opposite things. So we have, we have an innate drive to, um, to, em- to emulate high status people. And the way that people gain status c- can vary. So in some species and in some, uh, 
um, some societies, uh, you, if you take chimpanzees, for example, the, the way you get to be high status is by being the, by being the biggest bully, having the biggest muscles, throwing your weight around. Uh, for the, for the most part, it's about being, being the biggest bully. Uh, in, and in some human societies, it's like that too. But in many human societies, fortunately, people also gain status by being the kindest, by being, they show their strength by, by helping others, by being heroes. Um, in, in traditional societies, that might be th- throwing a feast and feeding everyone. And nowadays it can be through philanthropy or and donating the most money. So pe- people, people, humans are very flexible in the sense that they can create lots of different status games that they can win. And we all do better if those games involve uh, who can be, who can help others the most. And w- we obviously benefit directly, but we also benefit because everyone else notices that and and joins in and sees that's that's one way to to sort of to, to gain respect and admiration. Um, pe- people people are going to strive for respect and status and admiration, whether you like it or not. The only the best thing we can do is steer those competitions in socially beneficial direction. And you know, politicians doing that is a particularly high profile example. Yeah, well, well, I think that's absolutely the case. A journalist asked me yesterday. You know, Jackie, be kind has been this message through lockdown and now we're emerging from lockdown and we enter level one as of midnight tonight, which basically means, Oliver, for New Zealand, we're our own bubble. We've got no restrictions on us internally anymore, which is pretty amazing. Right. Um, But they said, where does kindness fit now? And my response was, well, I hope as a culture we're not kind just because we're in crisis, but that as we move Mm. forward, we continue to be kind to each other as a way of being. But I do think, as you're saying, it's very helpful that our most senior leader in this country um, has been messaging that on a daily basis, that it's it's cool to be kind, you know, and it's valued in this country. Yes, Uh, it's it's cool to be kind indeed. And, and look, let's let's hope it, it's obviously the case that when there is a crisis, then the need is greater and it makes more sense. You know, the demand for kindness is greater. And so we should all we should ramp up um, and let's hope that we don't have such a big like it. Like in disasters, people need more help and people often leap in leap into to help. Let's hope we don't have more disasters and we don't need and more pandemics. And we don't need quite that level. But but the, but I mean, another way of thinking about it is that. Although there's not one big crisis, there's always lots of little crises all the time. Um, even right down to individual, you know, individuals go through crises all the time when if they, you know, if they lose a loved one or they lose a job or they crash their car or they, you know, they, or they're, they, um, going through hard times in other ways. So sure, there's not one huge massive crisis, but there's lots of little crises. And if we just stay alert to them and help out where we can, we'll all be, um, better off as a result. My last wonder, Oliver, before I let you get on with your day, is from that benefits perspective, is there research on collective benefits? So we've spoken about individual benefits, but if we look at teams, organisations, countries, societies, has there been research on what that looks like for mass groups of people rather than the individual? That Yeah, um, that's a good question. I'm not, not that I'm aware of um i'm trying to i mean i 
I'm I'm thinking that there's. I mean, I I think there's been some research on people's health improve. I'm I'm this is I'm stretching now, but there's a I think there's been research on people's health. There's research on people's health improving after World War Two, for example, and the Mm -hmm. argument was that. Even even though obviously it was a terrible and scary time and and people uh, suffered in lots of ways, one upside was that sense of coming together, of having shared fate and working together and being being an important part of a of a team was was good for people's health, was good for people's hearts, and there was um, you could see some of the benefits of that in subsequent years and sub- subsequent um, decades. So. Um, in in that sense, I, but I'm 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 not an expert on that research, and it's it's not at the front of my mind. Um, but again, like I, I think say, it, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting. It would for, be good for, to do, yes. For and for people just to start observing, if, for example, in their families or in their uh, community groups or at work, if they really start talking, discussing, and finding actions to be kind, you know to just sit back and notice perhaps what comes from that. Well, yeah, and certainly um, most of the random acts of kindness that we've seen out there in existing lists and most of the ones we've put together are, as it were, individual acts, things that you can do right now. One of the the things you want to look at in the future is um, sort of – taking off to one side or, or identifying of this long list, what are the things you can only do as a team? Um, what are the, what are the group acts of kindness that you can do? And, and let's, let's try and um, set them, let's, let's sort of extract them from the list and see what happens there. So sometimes if it's things like, you know, cleaning up your local park or um, I don't know, hold, holding a, holding a party for someone in your uh in your neighborhood or whatever it is, there's some things you can only do together. And it would be interesting to look at the compare those individual acts of kindness to the group acts of kindness and see how people feel as, as a result. And sure, I would bet that, uh, you know, pound, pound for pound doing things as part, part of a team would be more rewarding. Mm. All right. I'm going to do my best to summarize our conversation now. So I have been speaking with Dr. Oliver Scott Curry, who's the research director at KindLab for kindness.org. We have been having the discussion that for New Zealanders, whilst it's been our messaging around be kind, and hopefully that continues well past COVID, there's actually some research and science that sits behind that. And at kindness.org, Oliver and his team break kindness down into the ABCs, which is what are your what are your actions? How does that then benefit you and other people? And what's the emotional component attached to that? For for example, compassion. And you know, I've been thinking as we've been having this discussion that what's really struck me is it's small acts that can have big benefits for other people. That kindness can look different for different people 
in different contexts or different cultures, but it doesn't mean that the underpinning value of being kind and caring and connected to people isn't the same. And therefore, potentially for teams or for groups of people, having some really concrete conversations around how to express that kindness with each other or what that might look like for different people, I think would be a very valuable exercise. Um, And that if we take our team of 5 million New Zealand as a whole and we pledge to keep this kindness going, that we keep those incentives high that we publicize and psychoeducate around the benefits of kindness. For example, you know, we have a mental health crisis in this country. And if we can, for 7% impact, be kinder to each other alongside other things, it's bloody good benefit. So let's be kind to stay well and stay connected and less anxious. Let's have continued public health campaigns and public messaging around how people can be kind because sometimes people want to be kind but maybe they aren't great brainstormers or don't have good creativity so let's help people with that Um, and that actually if we all start being kinder if we dial our notches up just one just one level and we be slightly better humans that actually no one's going to be left feeling like the sucker and no one's going to be left feeling kind of isolated or pinpointed as is not fitting in with, with the cultural norm. So actually the more we do the micro acts every day, the more we become a kinder nation and that becomes habit and that just becomes intertwined with who we are as Kiwis. How'd I go, Oliver? That sounds good to me. Anything else that we've missed that you think would be fabulous for people to percolate on after today? Uh, No, I don't want to mess up your lovely summary there. So no, good job. Thank you so much for um, spending your morning with me. I so very much appreciate it. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. I'm Jackie Maguire, and you've just finished listening to the kindness episode of Mind Brew. I hope listening to this discussion sparked both a sense of pride in our team of 5 million and a desire to continue on this kindness pathway. With research showing that kindness spreads through others and that every act has the potential to triple its impact, imagine what our nation will look like if we purposefully continue to be kind together. If you enjoyed this episode of Mind Brew, please share this episode with your network and head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. Maybe that's your act of kindness for today. It's very much appreciated. Thank you and have a good one.